just we want to close our uh, series on the gathering. And if you ask me, just being an objective um, um, bystander, if you will, I think we're, we're really getting a clear sense of why we gather. It, it's, it just sounds and feels right that we're getting it. You know, in my, my thinking, I think a lot, because um, I don't know a whole lot. I think a whole lot. And I, I look at the world around us, and I say to God, you know, we could, and I did this for, for quite a while in preaching, we could use the pulpit to address all the ills in the world. I get up here and I can tell you everything that's wrong. Uh, and that's even within the, 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 the body of Christ. You can, I can show you videos of things that people are doing in church communities around the world that would make your, you, you know, the hair on the back of your head stand up. You say, that's crazy. We talk about the levels of immorality. This morning on the news, um, the, the, the broadcaster said, she said, this is the 200th, hundredths mass shooting in the U.S. And she said, I don't even think we've been in the year for 200 days. We could do all of that. Let me tell you what's, what's wrong, what's wrong. But the Holy Spirit whispered to me and he said, if you do that week after week, they will be conversant with the sickness, but they will not know the solution. And I want you to think about this. What I believe is the solution to all the maladies. You and I can't fix them. The only way we can fix them is it is if Christ works through us. Because he is the answer for all the ills of the world. So I began to think about the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of knowing Jesus. It really is about knowing him and allowing him to work through us so that ultimately he becomes the solution. And I'm going to show you why that's so, so important. It's not about knowing what's wrong or sitting down in a room and saying, we're going to strategize and put this together. It really is about knowing he who is the solution and allowing him to work through us to provide us with those solutions that we are looking for. Because I think it's also important that we know that when something is healed in the world, when something is fixed, we would know of assurance that we didn't do it, that he did it, and that he gets the glory for it. And so I, I want to talk to you about just the importance of being encouraged, because if we take that approach, if we take the approach that it's going to be about Jesus, let him do everything through us, then there's going to be times when we need to be encouraged. That's what I'm going to focus on for about 10 or 15 minutes. Let's, let's go back to the very top. I'm going to read some scriptures because I want to remind you again. I think we got this. I want to remind you why we gather. Just a reminder. Why do we gather? And we're getting it. And we're going to learn the discipline of, it's a discipline, putting all the issues that we're going through behind us for a moment and just simply focusing on him. And it doesn't mean that you and I aren't going through things. It's just that we realize that getting to know him will provide us with the answers for what we're going through. So there's this idea that when we come, whatever we're, we're and that's why I think God, Dalton, the first furniture that you, article of furniture that you run into, once you cross the gate, and remember, you come into his gate with, 
But the first article you, you come to is an altar. You've got to place something there. Whatever you're carrying in, you sacrifice that so that you can move further. Because he doesn't want you to take all of those things with you into his presence. He wants you to leave them at the altar. And so what I'm going to show you something. We'll focus on encouragement, but I want to read a few scriptures. This is the first part of what we talked about. When we gather to worship, our focus is on seeing him. So whatever you have to do, you have to shut things out, shut people out. And this is one of the reasons why the job of our coordinators, very, very important. The sanctuary coordinators, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to minimize distraction. That's another way the enemy works to cause you to miss or to lose focus so that you don't see the Lord. And so one of the things I would even say to you, it's a small thing. Don't walk around, especially during times of, can I say, the message or worship or I've got to go to the bathroom. Try to do all of those things before you come. It minimizes distractions so that everyone can focus. Because this is what the Greek said and this is what we're saying to him. Sir, we would see Jesus. Don't waste your time going anywhere that's called church worship and you not have this encounter. That's a waste of your time. Don't waste your time going to any environment that says we're going to worship God and the focus isn't on seeing Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you something else. The Bible goes further in the book of Hebrews and it teaches us that seeing Jesus is actually the way of our salvation. Am I right? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, the one that began, the one that continues, and the one that's going to complete our faith. So we look to him we constantly, and you can watch. It's a spiritual thing. You can see him in the spirit. If you can get there, you can close your eyes and you can focus on him. There's a discipline going on in your spirit. And all of a sudden, he appears to you. And he begins to minister to you because that's what he's designed to do. That's what he lives to do. He wants to reveal himself. And I, I always teach this. And as he's revealing himself, so he is also revealing your father to you. It is the job of the son to reveal to us our Father. So this is priority number one. Priority number one. We gather. That's why we push the worship experience. We push the worship experience so that we can see the Lord Jesus Christ. If I may say this, anywhere worship is going on, spirits are seen and experienced. So then you can understand why there's such passion in other areas. It solidifies a picture of the enemy <laughs> or his agents. That was the first thing we talked about. Now watch this. This is Daniel chapter 11. The seeing of Jesus leads to the knowing of him. The more you see him, the more you spend time with him, the more you know him. In Daniel chapter 11, Daniel is describing a very turbulent time in Israel's history. There's a lot of turbulence. He's prophesying. But he says in the midst of this, people are doing wickedly, forgetting covenant. But the people that know their God, Notice that? They shall be strong. And in the midst of turbulence, they're doing exploits. Do you understand that? And so whatever day you think we're living in, the answer is knowing him. However turbulent life is, the answer is knowing him. 
And it, it produces this inner strength and valiance. And we can do exploits because we know our God. That's the first thing we talked about. The second thing is making sure that all we're about as a ministry is him. And this takes time to process this because over the years in ministries, we've made this thing sometimes about a whole lot of other things. And Paul makes it clear, 1 Corinthians 2. And I like how the apostle is, the Holy Spirit's using him because there's a lot of things going on. If you know the book of Corinthians, there's a lot of things going on. It's a really, can I say, it's a charismatic ministry, but it's also very messed up. Because right in the middle of those house churches, some people are for Peter, others are for Apollos, some are for Jesus, some are teaching baptism, no baptism, some are speaking in tongues, women are losing their mind, there's a brother sleeping with his father's wife. It's, it's a really messed up ministry. But the apostle said, watch, he says, when I come, I don't want to know anything except Jesus and him crucified. Because all the other stuff will not help you. Drama does not help you. My life, your life doesn't help you. What's going on with Ephraim won't help you. What's going on with this brother, it won't help you. The only thing that will help you is knowing Jesus. I know there's a salacious component, wanting to know the salacious. But after that has dissipated, that can't help you. It's only the knowledge of Jesus Christ that can help us. That's what I want to know. I want to know him. And I'm serious. I want to know him. I want to know him like he's my friend. I want to talk to him in such a way that he speaks to me. And I know that he's spoken to me. Yeah. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about my troubles. He'll hear my fainting cry. He'll answer by and by. That's, what, that's the kind of relationship that I desire. Because all the other stuff... It's going to pass away. It has no virtue in it. It's vanity and it is vexation of spirit. Then I want to show you something. From the knowing comes the empowerment. Because once you know him now, you just can't bottle him up and keep him inside. You have to express him in this world. So let's read this. John 8 verse 12. These, These are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, watch, I am the light of the world. So I'm going to ask you, it may seem rhetorical. Who's the light of the world? Say it so they can hear you online. Who's the light of the world? You're sure, right? You're positive. You're absolutely 100% positive that Jesus is the... You're positive, right? You're not taking that back. I'm going to ask you one more time. Who's the light of the world? Who is the light of the world? Watch this. Ready? Ye are... Are you sure? But Jesus said, after he says, I am the light of the world, he says, ye are the light of the world. This, these two scriptures, John 8, Matthew 5, they represent the journey of Christianity. Because what a Christian does is he synchronizes the text. As Jesus is the light of the world... That's what a Christian does. He synchronizes. He says, if Jesus is the light of the world and he is in me, therefore I am the light. That's empowerment. And watch, and as long as I'm in the world, no one shall walk in darkness. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness could not 
comprehend. That's the real empowerment of Christianity. As he was, so are we in the world. So you see, it's really about being busy being him. Not being busy bodies. But being busy being him so that we become a city that's set on a hill that cannot be it. The next verse says, let your light so shine that men may see your good works and come to glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's the empowerment of the body. That's why you don't want to sit under nonsense. I'm going to say that again. You don't want to have somebody up here talking nonsense who doesn't understand the word of God because you need to hear something that's going to turn the light on inside of you. Am I right? It's going to make you say, I want to get out of this place and shine. That's what I want. I want to shine in this world for Jesus. And so with that being said now, we come to the encouragement because if you know him and you're living him out, every now and then you're going to need encouragement. And that's why this place is so important. We say it all the time. If you can draw it online, draw it online. But if you can come here, come here because really what we're trying to do through this experience with God is to be encouraged in him. If you have some time when you go home, I think it's, uh, I'm going to say it's um, 1 Samuel chapter 30. And David, he, he, he's in a very difficult place because it doesn't matter how great you are. Someone once said this, and I thought it was quite interesting. They said, it doesn't matter how much good you do in this world. It doesn't matter how many people you help in someone's story, you're always going to be evil. And David had done so much for these men. He had just, you know, he had blessed them. He had everything. And then the Philistines came, or the Amalekites, and they desecrated and destroyed the camp. And the people wanted to stone David. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. We all need to be encouraged. Every single one of us need to be encouraged. So watch this. We don't need people that are going to drag us down. We're already up under things. So that's why I, I say this, and people, they laugh at me because of my, well, whether it's just my, you know, eccentricity. I said, when you're writing an email to someone, when you're sending a text to someone, just don't assume that you just want to communicate a message. Make sure you send a word that lifts them up. So take a moment. It does, I, I was doing this today that I realized it does take some time. And in today's hurry up world where you just want to tell people something, sometimes you got to forget the message and tell them, pray that you are well and in excellent health. You really don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do with that word. Take it and put it in their spirit because they could have been on the verge of a breakdown. That's why the body of Christ exists to lift up each other, to encourage and to build up each other. And that's not always easy because sometimes we don't feel like encouraging people. So watch the effective gathering. Here's what should happen. When we gather, we gather to encourage each other. If you're going to meet someone, encourage them. And the Holy, if you position yourself like this, the Holy Spirit will give you what they need. Did you know that? So no, he only talks to the pastor. He talks through all of us. 
Every single one of us, when you go to hug David, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, tell him this. And that word begins to build his life. That word begins to encourage. It becomes strength. It puts, here's the definition, it puts courage back in him. And all of a sudden he feels like he can leap over a wall and run through a troop. He starts feeling like David in Psalm 118 verse 7. He says to himself, because we all get there. It doesn't mean necessarily suicide. It can, but it doesn't always mean that. It can mean that on this thing, I'm about to give up. I'm about to pack it in. I'm, I'm about to quit on this. But after being encouraged, you can walk away saying, I shall not die. And this shall not die. And this that's going down, it shall live. That's what encouragement does. Read the whole psalm. My enemies surround me like bees. But if someone will come along and speak a word into my life. So I always look at this and say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you that you're committing sin. I already know that. I already know that because I'm committing the sin. Did you see see what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit told me that you're not doing, but I already know that. And he knows I know that. Tell me something else that's going to lift up my spirit. That's going to make me want to go another day. Make me want to live. Mm. Make me not want to die. The, The effective gathering, what it does is it lifts people up. An effective gathering of the body of Christ. People feel like I've been lifted today. Because what happens is when we understand how this works, every person begins to esteem the other one higher than themselves. How can I help you? How can I serve you? Even the archbishop said to the, to the king, he said, you're really coming to the throne to serve the people. How can I lift you higher than myself? I found out with God, there's this wonderful thing that he does. If I am lifting you up and you're lifting me up and she's lifting her up, no one's putting anyone down. Isn't God incredible? Think about it. If there's 500 of us in this room and each person is taking care of the other person, no one is putting and everyone leaves feeling lifted up. The effective gathering. It makes people feel like, I can go on. I can go on. I can continue. And then Paul admonishes us. He says, watch. This is what the apostle says. Don't let anything be done through strife. Say amen to that, brothers and sisters, so we can drive that strife demon out of the body. Because he always seems to pop up, especially when we're on the verge of getting some things done. Strife shows up. And he brings his brother vain glory. And all of a sudden, we can't get where we're going. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better. That runs counterculture to this individualistic, self-centered world where you have the holy triumvirate, me, myself, and I, seated on the throne. But God says, let each person esteem the other one better. Than I. I could go down a rabbit trail, but I won't. It means you will never see me in a condition that's less than yourself and feel good about it. You know what I told the guys in the clothing area, and, and I hope they heard me. I said, when we're getting clothes in to give to people, make sure you get clothes that you would wear. 
Because if you don't, you are using them as a garbage can. Are you following what I'm saying? I feel God on that one. It's the same thing. If you're going to give me food, make sure it's food you eat, not food you were throwing away. Because what you're doing is you're esteeming me better than yourself. Don't get quiet. It's true. Let's keep going. Watch. The effective gathering, it emboldens people. It, it, you see, because at some point in the journey, there are things that happen that we can be fearful. So, so I know you're going to say, but, but, but God has not given me the spirit of fear. But watch, David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I wrestle at times with fear. But when I come to an effective gathering, I feel like there is nothing formed against me that can prosper. I'm, I'm not arrogant, but I'm certainly not going to be deceived by the enemy to be fearful. And I start believing. I'm, I'm emboldened. I start believing. Wait a minute. God has not given me the spirit of fear. Given me wisdom, power, sound mind. I can face this. Ah, Does that make sense to somebody? I, could, I don't have to hide from this. I can face this. And I can come through this in the effective gathering of the body of Christ. All we're really doing is strengthening ourselves. Because if I strengthen you, I'm strengthening myself. Listen carefully. If I weaken you, I'm weakening myself. So God has not given us the spirit of fear, power, love, sound mind. It reinvigorates those who are weary. The journey makes us tired at times. We're times we're tired, I know. And we're going to fight on, but it continues to tell us, you can do this. You can do this. You can fight on. You can. You can fight on. I feel someone here in that one. It, it, it puts vigor back inside of you. Makes you feel like... Yeah, you can come off the ropes again, battered, bloody, but you can come off. Just wipe your eyes and you can come off the ropes again. Fight another round. You, you know what I'm saying, right? Because you're not counted out. I got to say this. You are not counted out. Doesn't matter how many. Watch. I hear you, Holy. It doesn't matter how many times the devil knocks you down. You are not counted out. Can I talk to church people? Stop it. Stop ringing the bell on believers. You don't get to ring the bell. The just man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. God rings the bell. Not even the devil gets to ring the bell. You can fight on. And even the best of us, the apostle Paul, looking, he said, nay, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And you've got to talk to each other and say, I, I heard you're going through some things, but you can make it through that. Do you know why? Because I got you in prayer. I'm not talking behind your back. I'm pushing your name up to heaven. I've got you in prayer. Watch this. I'm fasting for you this week. I'm worshiping just for you. Fight on. Fight on. I feel like talking to someone. Fight on reinvigorates the believer 
it then puts the, the, the body of Christ in a position where we're count, um, consistently and intentionally fighting against the strategies of the enemy, not working with him in concert. He's trying to destroy us. We're not going to play that game with each other. It reinvigorates us. Let's me know that there's someone that loves me. And his love makes me more than. Pause for a moment there. Notice we are more than. That is an oxymoron in the text. Because a conqueror is one who defeats. If you defeat, it's finished. Isn't it? But God wants to show you how exceeding victorious you are. He adds words to it. You are more than a conqueror. More than. This too shall pass in your life. There are dreamers among us in effective worship gathering. Especially when you start to worship. It starts to stir up those dreams again. Starts telling you that at 60 you can still accomplish that vision. That God gave you in your 20s. It starts to tell you that you're never too old to finish that thing that you started. All of a sudden, you start leaving the service. I think I'm going to go back to university and take that course that I've always wanted to take. It begins to stir up dreamers because in this gathering, your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. When it's working right, people leave. That's why David said, my, my foot, because I was looking at the rich. They were really excelling. I was struggling. And he said, my foot well nigh slipped, but I went to the house of God. <laughs> you see, there's something about coming here that makes the person leave completely different. And some Sundays, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You leave feeling like this is going to be the best week of my life. Because I got some juice in the tank. There you go. Dreamers and visionaries are inspired. And this is the last one here that I like. It tells people, if you came here today thinking you're going to quit, after you finish here, you say, no, I'm going to hold on just a little while longer to see what God does. I'm going to stand still. Having done all, I'm going to stand to see what my God will do. I like it. I like it. If I look behind, I see Egyptians. That's trouble coming. If I look to the right, to the left, I see mountains. That's limitations. If I look ahead, I see water. That's sure death. What else can I do? Stand still and see. God will give you a reason to come back next week to praise him. It tells you, hold on. I got to read a scripture. I don't know if you've ever read this. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. It begins at verse 35. It says, don't throw away the fact that you're confident. Don't throw it away because it has a great recompense of reward. Your confidence will come back to you as a reward. And you should be confident. You have need of patience. Because even after you've done the will of God, you have to wait for some things. Watch, it's going to get good. For yet a while, and he that shall come, will come. And he won't wait. 
It just takes a while for God to do some things. I've discovered that when God is coming, he's actually doing some things in me that prepares me for his coming. Now the just shall live by faith. You should feel like I can complete what God's called me to do. He that called me is faithful. So then, if we do this thing right, we should leave these gatherings encouraged. You should. If, if you leave here, Rhema, or any ministry feeling like, oh Lord, we're not doing something right. Can I say this? If you leave worse than you came, we've got to go back and reassess what we're doing. That's why we gather. So that people can walk out feeling like this is the start of a new day. Stretch your hands, everyone, just for a moment. Robert, on these four points or three points, I want you to believe that you can overcome every obstacle in your life. There is no mountain that is before you that God cannot bring down. (laughs) Who are you, great mountain, that you would stand before Zerubbabel? For it is not by might, nor by power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. And he shall come bringing the headstone, shouting grace, grace, grace. I want you to leave here, and I know, you can put your hands, I know, because I have them, that you have obstacles. I know, and if you don't have them, but when you walk out of here today, I want you to feel like, I can run through a troop. I can run through a troop. And if there's a wall, I'm going to save my shoes and jump over them. That's the God you serve. Number two, I can face all opposition. I can face, I'm not going out there looking for it. But if it comes looking for me, I'm not going to run from it. I'm not a troublemaker. I'm not trying to stir up stuff. But if it comes looking for me, I'm going to face it. You follow what I'm saying? I can face opposition. And you want to have that kind of mentality that the devil's not going to let me cower in a corner just because I'm going through, just because things aren't working out, just because people are going to talk about me. I'm going to stand up and face the opposition. Mm, yes and when I'm standing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resist the devil not today not today not in my house not today not in my life not today not in my house I'm going to stand right there I feel like Maximus not today not today face the opposition count it all joy Praise God in the face of it. Sing a song when you feel down. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Face all opposition. And then leave here ready to step into every opportunity. The minute a door opens, step in. Don't wait. Every opportunity that God opens for you, just step into that. To me, that's how I want to live my my week. 
Is anybody in the room want? I, 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 listen, I'm going to repeat this. I don't want to live my week watching what peop, other people are doing and what they're saying. I'm looking out for the doors, seeing which one is going to open for me. I've been waiting for God to bring a vision to pass. I want to see what door is he opening next. Watch, the Nigerians say, God will surprise you. I want God to surprise me this week. I want him to do exceeding, abundantly above what I can ask or think. I'm on the lookout every day for a breakthrough. I'm expecting some money to come to me. I'm expecting some real estate to come to me. I'm expecting some blessings to come in my life. I don't know about you. To the church, not at Smyrna now, at Ramah. Write these things saith the first and last the one that was dead but he is alive uh i I just need that verse um i I think it's uh uh uh, i've set before an open door but maybe i don't have it here but the lord says i've set before you an open door i want you to leave here knowing that opportunities are just percolating in the environment just waiting there's there are things with your with your name on it There are keys that God wants to give you to unlock things. And I leave here with that expectation. That's the kind of week I want to have. And brothers and sisters, let me close on this. If you have this kind of week, when you come back here next week, did you see see how it all connects? When you come back here next week, your worship is up here. And, And then you go back out, you have that, same kind of week your worship is up there then you go back out you have that same your worship is up there and all of a sudden you realize that we are going from glory to glory are you with me today does anyone feel like you want to go further anyone feel like you're not going to give up anyone feel like you're not going to quit anyone feel like the odds though they be stacked against you if god be for us who can be against us i want you to be encouraged this week quick stand on your feet with me everyone There's nothing that should stand before the believer. Nothing. 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 Let the words that other people say about you, let those words fall at your feet. I have a group of people that I'm working with and I told them in one of the letters that I wrote to them, I said, when you are gifted, you will find out that your giftings stir up your enemies. When you're not gifted or not about anything, no one's saying anything. So it's a conundrum. If you do something, people are going to say something. If you do nothing, they're going to say nothing. So the more people talking about you, it's probably because you're doing something. I want you to be encouraged, brothers and sisters. Lift up your heads, O E gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. This is the kind of ministry that I want people to join. Because we don't want to play games. The older you get in life, hopefully, the more serious you become about life. 
People in their 20s, their teens, they can do all of that stuff. They've got some time. Brothers like me and others, we don't have that much time. So we're going to maximize these moments. Squeeze out what remaining juices God has for us. Take your hands and just lift them up. Rhema, be encouraged. You don't serve an average God. You don't serve a false God. You don't serve a weak God. You don't serve an uncaring God. I can give you all the scriptures. He watches over you. Oh my God. Do you know that he sings over you? Did, did you know that? Oh, you didn't know that he sings songs about you. He sings over your life. He delights in the prosperity of his servants. He wants to see you succeed. That you might glorify your father. Be encouraged today. Be encouraged in Jesus name.